Welcome to the Old Chats Pod with me, Amesh here. And me, James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way. We're two good mates who've met in London talking about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way. Welcome to episode 14. This is the Grieving 2.0 chat. Here we speak to Jamie Tones of Flipside Pods and Bondi Bowls, where we continue the discussion about grief and the sudden loss of his university housemate to suicide. We also touch upon how his year of sobriety aided his mental health. Hey, mate, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, not too bad. How are you finding the new, the new, the new bombshell dropped by Boris and the boys last weekend? Um, it's it's not ideal. It, to me, for me, it's not that bad because I'm already at home, um, so it hasn't changed things a lot. But I know people, uh, it's really messed up the plans. I know people who are alone now, that they're stranded. Yeah. They can't like they're going back to Scotland and stuff, and can't even get back for that. So that's a that's a shit show. How about you? Yeah, I think it's hard, isn't it? Because that carrot was dangled and it should be taken away. And that was just that bit of false sense of hope. And I don't know how, actually, from a personal point of view, like my anxiety was actually really high when that got announced. Just because, not just because of me, but probably worrying about the people. And within that space of when Boris made the announcement, like my phone was flooded with messages. And it's a bit like overwhelming because it's like, I need to sort out my situation first before yeah. anyone else. But like the same with you, like, I know a few a few colleagues and a few friends who they're having to stay because it's just a too big of a risk. But it's so it's it's what one day less than a day to get yourself sorted out from it. That's where the anxiety comes from. If you tell people in yeah. a few days, it's it's a completely different picture, isn't it? But that's what. And then you get the scenes at the station where everyone's get trying to get on the last train out. And that you can't blame them. Like that's inevitable. Like, and I think it's just a lot of. A lot of scaremongering as well by the media. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of confusion. Really. I spoke to Jenks from our last chat. He's he's doing great after that last chat. I think that chat, that one was... Oh, I think we were both really nervous before that one because it's such, it is such a taboo topic and it's a big... It's, it's people are talking about, trying to talk about it a lot more with suicide and he has gone on to now talk to his his friends who knew... Um, his friend who took his life and they've all spoken much more about it he showed them this podcast which has led to them talking about how they felt about it how they feel about it now and he was just really grateful so oh, just wanted yes. to Last share yeah, that because that I think I, I briefly spoke to him afterwards and I don't know about you but I think that was probably like the, the proudest episode we've had but I've felt personally because I realised how much of an effect it had on yeah. him and hopefully social group when they can speak about it and he's so, he was so eloquent talking about it um, and then yeah. obviously we've had we've had Jenks yeah. and kind of moving on to another one of my friends Jamie who who lost a friend to suicide at university as well so this is like this is like the part two grieving chat but I'd like to think as we go speak to Jamie there might be a few similar similar but different feelings that he's had with Jenks as well Tones eh? Ahoy Tones how are you doing mate you on? Good how are you? Introduction factor Jamie Jamie factor so we We've probably known each other since about five years old. Six, we're in the same primary and secondary school. I think younger, maybe four. Yeah, maybe. We're in the same primary and secondary school. And then, I don't know about you, but we probably, I think, probably drifted apart when we both went to different unis. Yeah. Um, 
like with most people, but I don't know. I think it's just. I think I probably haven't seen it. But the last time I saw you is when you played five or in London, like two or three years ago. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You think you visit your sister, but you've obviously been to Australia for a bit. You've been gallivanting the world, but yeah. And now we're here, and you, without getting sentimental early doors, you were one of the reasons why I've, we've kind of done this podcast because I was on your podcast. Well, I take zero credit for it, mate. What did you what did you talk about on your podcast, Tens? Oh, mate, it was a good like hour and a half, two hours, wasn't it? it was a... I haven't listened to it. I should have prepared oh, better. Have you have not listened to Mesh's parents? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he tells he tells his full story. That was when was that beginning of the year? Yeah, it's been been a lot. Yeah, beginning of twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. That was before all chats, was it? Yeah, before. Okay, not sure how I feel about this now. No, no, we deserve all. He deserves all the praise. He was the one who gave us the confidence to to go it alone. Oh, nice. Now I've been looking forward to coming on because, um, yeah, I'm, obviously I've been listening to you boys as as you've gone on. So it's um, no, it's class what you're doing. I'm loving what you're kind of what you're talking about and things. So keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, thanks, man. And same to you. I think I think there's one moment because obviously I've asked you for tips and hints and tips as yeah. we get along. But there's one moment that always resonated with me was when you were like. I'll progress over perfection. I remember that the, the day after I was speaking to Factor and I'm mates to mates. I actually that that comment like really like fucked me off, like pissed me off. I was like, I was like, what I didn't I didn't process it, but in my head I was like, hey, what the fuck's he on about? We like we recorded for about two, three months before we published anything, just to probably get the confidence up, get the structure together. And then when you said yeah. that, that probably accelerated me to be like, right, let's just fucking get it out there. That's what you gotta do. You gotta put stuff out there, then tech fail and te- like test and because so, so many people that come up with ideas and they never fucking do them because your mind will come up with a million a million reasons why you shouldn't do it and um, because that's how our minds work yeah. but if you just go and do what you want to do if it fails then you, you 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 iterate and you change and you adapt and then you you move forward so yeah i think i like that was like a change in my of mindset for me just like progress over perfection and everything that i do just like, I don't know, when I was in the Instagram account with work today, I was like, oh, should I post that? And I was like, let's find out. You know what I mean? Even now, like, even when we first did this podcast, I remember texting Fact- Factor hates how quick I text him. But I used to text Factor being like, after we released the first few episodes, I'm like, this is shit. Like, there's like 10, 20 people listening. But then now, now there's like hundreds. Like people just, it, it takes time to gather space. But I think in this day and age, everyone thinks, oh, let's just get rich quick kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's all about consistency. You just got to... You just got to, what is it? Um, you know, the best time to invest was 20 years ago. Second best time is now. Oh, look at that. Jordan Belford, back here. <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. But even like on your flip side pod, like you've had some great guests and you kind of similar sort of vibe as what we're doing. But I think a big thing that we obviously mentioned then was like how we kind of drifted apart from uni. And one thing I didn't know about until years later was your, was it your housemate suicide? Yeah. And that was, did that happen in your first year? That was quite early doors, was it first, second year? Quite, quite early doors in your uni career. It was the beginning of second year. Just, yeah, so quite, quite early in your uni career kind of thing. And I, when that happened, obviously, I had no idea about it until probably years later. Well, you say that actually, but we actually, funnily enough, we had a very brief conversation, unless maybe this was before my friend died, but I remember having a very brief conversation with you um, about when you lost your friend at uni. And it must have been before, because otherwise, obviously, you would have known. But after, or anyway, 
obviously, so I listened to um, the podcast that you did with James and it, yeah, it just made me think, I was like, oh, like we, it was one of those kind of on reflection, you know, me and you had a very brief conversation, whether it was you oh, telling me about yes, your experience. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not sure, but we didn't really talk about it at the time. You know, yeah. know what I mean? And it's one of those things that you can look back on and reflection and be like, well, we probably didn't like, like, you know, probably could have handled that better. Similar sort of things, what Jenks was saying, like, I don't think, he didn't really think there was a right time to say it. Because we were at, we were at opposite sides. We like I think you might have been in Newcastle, or whatever. We weren't together in the country, but it was quite tricky. I found to like if I like message out the blue and like give you a call. But yeah, obviously I'd probably do that now. But uh, at the time, mm. I did need someone to speak to who kind of been through that. That's it. It's useful to when you're going through something, you need to find someone who's going through something similar. Like yeah, when I was listening to um your mate your mate story when he lost his friend, like. He obviously wasn't with him at the time. Um, whereas in my situation, it was we were living together. So everyone was kind of like everyone was around each other and everyone was in the same boat. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, you were talking about searching for that person who's going through the same thing. There was like a group of like 20 close mates, like all going through that same thing. How much did you talk about did you talk about it much at the time? Because we spoke to Jenks about that and they kind of did, but not. I guess really in as much depth as maybe he would have liked at the time. Yeah. I mean, I think we were quite, like I say, I think because we we're all going through the same thing, we were quite open. Um, and I think we quickly kind of all said to each other, look, like this is, this is a thing. I, I guess a bit of background um, to the scenario, because there's one slight difference between my story and, and Jenks is that, so we, we had like a group of like 10 lads living together and, the the we were like spread across two flats and the, the lads in the flat above basically they lost a friend of theirs to suicide about a month before will died who was with who who lived with me um so obviously like often with suicide there's there's that um it's almost like it's contagious do you know what i mean because it kind of puts that idea into someone's head that there's, there's that's an option so i think that's kind of what happened in in my scenario but you know i know that's something that he talked about that Oh, if only, you know, people think like, oh, if only they'd have seen how many people turned out to the funeral and loved them and all that. And the interesting mm-hmm. thing with ours is, is that Will, Will was able to see all that and to see the devastation that it caused, you know, to hit to someone that he knew. And then, and then he still met, yeah. still made that decision. That must have been, t- like, so you're saying in the space of a month, two, two of your mates of like a social group of 10 took their own lives. So, yeah, so, so the other lad was kind of, for me, I wasn't necessarily close to him. He was just yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. a friend of a friend. Yeah. Um, then, then, you know, yeah, Will was sort of like, yeah, we, we lived together and, you know, we're best mates. Um, and it was similar similar scenario in the fact that we went on a night out. You know, it was Halloween. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't, you know, he literally didn't come home. And obviously it was going through, through our heads like, well, has he done something stupid here? Because we'd had that experience a month prior. Yeah, and you know, obviously the the, the, the police come and t- tell you that you know his, his body's been found and all this, and it's a, a strange scenario, really. And for me personally, it was like totally. I mean, at first it was totally out of the blue, and in the same respect to to Jake's story, that there was no warning signs whatsoever. Um, but it was just like it suddenly opened me up to this whole new world of like, you know, suicide and mental health, because before that. I was just so naive and oblivious. Like it wasn't a thing like, yeah. and you know, my, my life was all fine and dandy. And then 
suddenly sort of this challenge came came upon us and it was also interesting to hear about how different people uh reacted to the situation yeah because i was able to reflect upon that as well um certainly within my group of friends it was evident some people found it kind of easier than others or reacted in different ways you know like I said, that that was certain that was by by a mile my biggest challenge in life so far. But then after that, I had I had challenges which I found a lot harder, which I never thought I would find harder than, you know, my best mate killing himself. Whereas I have other friends that still kind of have to deal with that on a daily basis. So it's interesting to to see how different people react to things. You know, did it not help? Obviously, being around a lot of you, like that must have been helpful. The fact that. I'm not saying it's a perfect scenario, but the perfect scenario to be in after it happened is being with your five closest mates. For sure, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it brought us, you know, it brought us really close together. We were all, we were able to kind of rally around, rally around each other. And that's, that's something that I kind of look back on because one thing that I've talked about on the flip side is how I've been able to reflect on, say, these past few years. So, you know, like I said, that was my biggest challenge in life so far. After that, I found um, challenges with like relationships, breakups, harder than than that. And so I kind of tried to analyze why that why that is because there's, there's almost like kind of like shame and guilt behind that because I was like, you know, whoa, like obviously I care about my best mate, yeah. but, but I think that it was that because we were all together around each other going through the same thing. It's like you're in a workout class with a load of other people. It's way easier than just like doing it on your own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, I think that's like, you know, when you have a breakup or something like that, which is like what everyone goes through, right? Like most people in life will go through something like that. Not, not, not really everyone will go through like something like a suicide, but I found that way hard because I was like, you know, running a marathon on my own compared to, running a marathon with like all your mates or something yeah so it's because you're on your own take it like take like mental health like if you're not talking about it if you've got no one to talk about it's just going to get any worse and the fact you had your closest mates to talk about you may die a will taking that take his own life and then when it comes to your relationship you think oh if you've broken out a relationship with one person who am i going to talk to you might think oh no one wants to hear about my like, relationship problems but that's what your mates are there for like people are there to speak to you about but you obviously you've got to solve stuff out by yourself as well from like your relationship stuff, how did you come out of that that dip that you had into that? Did you find a way to talk to someone, or did you just kind um, of go over the time? I've had a few, you know, I've had a few kind of like challenges along the way, and you know, probably for fuck, you know, the, the latest one was you know, kind of almost how my podcast started. You know, the first first episode was you know me and my friend Jack, who was going through a similar scenario in terms of the breakup, just talking yeah. talking it through. You know, like. It's it's not cringy to look back on that. It's um, you know I'm kind of like proud of it or whatever. But this is looking over a few a good few years and the amount of changes that I've been able to make in my life. So so now I, I feel like I'm ready to, you know, if, if something like this happens again, which you know or whatever challenge is next, I know that I'm like ready for it. Do you know what I mean? Because I think when I, when 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 Will died or when I had a breakup or whatever, like I was not, I didn't feel prepared for it. Like I don't feel like like my education or life, like prepared me to deal with these things. 
is that kind of how is that similar to how how you guys have felt in the past? Yeah, it's learning from experience, isn't it? And I think you need those you need those tough times to happen to you to actually gain like calluses over the skin. That's just life, isn't it? You just kind of got to lean and rock with it. Like there's always going to be pressure. You just got to deal with it. And even like like a thing like a suicide, like you can you never saw it coming. Like stuff can change within an instant, and you just got to be able to deal with it. And you'd have to deal with it there and then. It can take time. Like I'm pretty sure you still miss Will. Like, I still miss my mate. Like I don't think we don't have to get over it. It's just there. I'll never forget him. Like, it was it was actually his birthday Monday, and I texted his mum. And I did feel a bit guilty because we only really talk about on the anniversary of his death and his birthday. Mm. But we had such a good chat just about life and like how a little lot of the son's doing. Yeah. And even what Jenk said before, like whenever you're struggling, like maybe on Will's like Will's anniversary death, whenever there's a point that anyone's struggling, people always remember those people who speak to them and they always remember the words that they say. Yeah, I think because I, I quite like sort of like reminiscing or, or, or in that sense or... But I know, like some of my mates, just sort of like, kind of want to want to like leave it, leave it there, and then yeah. which is fine. Do you know what I mean? Like again, it's kind of it's how it's how people, different people, deal with things. Yeah, I don't think there's there's no I don't think there's a right or wrong answer actually to that, and it's kind of the way that you're talking about how the friend because I can't imagine obviously I've I've never had a friend or anyone close to me commit suicide, but I can imagine how yeah. tough that must have been to just have the two so close to each other. I, don't, I just want to find out a bit more about like what you thought about that and going through that because for me, it would, it would be, in a way, it's kind of the shock of it is the first one. And then the second one, you, I don't know what you'd feel after that. Maybe it just kind of just merges into it. But the idea is you were talking about that maybe the actions of the first person will link, could possibly link to the second one would really play on my mind, to be honest. Did you, did you, did your friends talk about that? Yeah, at all, that yeah. Meant? I mean, it was quite interesting how you know. I remember, um, I remember everyone, everyone. You know, because obviously, you kind of first, first kind of thought, uh, kind of like, well, you know, why? Why has this person done this? Which, 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 which wasn't my my line of thinking, for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly. Um, because I remember everyone kind of gathering around in the living room, maybe even the next day or something. I don't know. Um, just like discussing, like. Why do you think he's done it? What do you think it's this? Do you think it's this? And obviously you come up with all sorts of potential issues or, you know, was it something to do with sexuality, relationships? Was he involved in drugs? With it? And at, like, at the time I was like, like guys, like shut the fuck up. Like, you know, I, I wasn't like in a good place to be speaking to anyone, like particularly. And, and I kind of just, I was like, stop talking about it because you're never going to find out. Like, and, you know, stop making up stories or whatever. Um, obviously, it's one of those. I just apologise afterwards, but like, yeah, it, it's it's like why and you, and it was very strange at the time because it was such, just such a shock, and it led me to then. You know, I think it was maybe maybe not not long after that. I had another. You know, a friend's brother died by suicide. Her dad followed that sadly. Um, and there was there was just you know obviously there's high profile cases, celebrities, you, you know I knew Sophie uh, who was on Love Island who died and it, um you know it just kind of it led me to to want to like find out more about this sort of thing and when you look obviously you look at the stats it, it's it's like you know shocking so that's so I got involved you know I'd worked with a charity called Papyrus um, which is preventing like prevention of young suicide so I worked with those with those when I was a student. 
to sort of do what, what I, I guess what I could. And so I kind of like shared my story to into the different sort of events and, and, and tried to do things that way, which was good. But yeah, I think, I think it, it needs to be like a societal change. It all stems from, from mental health, definitely. But I just think like suicide, it, it just sort of like almost doesn't make sense. You know, like if you zoom out from the world, if you're like, you know, you're an alien visiting earth and you just like, you kind of bring up the stats just like, so like, you know, how, how are these people dying or something? You know, like, well, like one of the, one of the main causes of death is, is suicide. And you're like, what, what do you mean? Like, you know, they're killing themselves and you're like, what, why? Oh, well, cause they're kind of like, they've got some problems that they don't really know how to deal with. And you'd be like, okay, these guys aren't a threat. Like, let's move on. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it just doesn't kind of like, doesn't compute. Yeah. Yeah. And I've stopped, I've kind of stopped really contemplating the, the big picture in that. And, and also, I mean, just to sort of clarify, like you said, within the smaller picture, I agree. Like, I don't think you ever get really to the issues about why someone did or didn't take their own life. And you're completely right to pull yourself away from that and just say, you know, in a vast majority of these cases, it's not one person or, you know, we were speaking to Jenks, our friend on the last one. And he said, you know, there's this conception that they leave a note and it's about this, that, or the other thing. And he just said, that's not true. Most of the time, you know, it's, just a state of being that they that people find themselves in at some point that leads to those actions and to look too carefully at them doesn't really lead anywhere beneficial but then the bigger picture I think about a bit more and, I, and I'm still sort of unsure about whether there is something that can be apart from just you know talking more about it and giving support to people and doing what you're doing with you know these reach out programs to try and just prevent it I think looking at the bigger picture, I'm not sure if it's going to really lead to answers or not. I, I think there are so many strands within this that it's kind of, you know, we try and find this golden bullet that solves everything. I think it's just, but you just do what you can in your area and just within your sphere and, and just focus on that. I think if you focus too big, it could just drive you mad, I guess, if you, if you go yeah. down it too far. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, and I think on the back of what you said about kind of like, yeah, not, not focusing on potentially the reasons and I, and I think like reasons for for kind of leading down that line and, and having kind of suicidal thoughts like they're always going to be kind of like personal to to different people one thing that we kind of tried to do with papyrus was talk about obviously talk about the subjects of suicide but but talk about the fact that like having those thoughts I, I always kind of I always wanted to say like it's normal like which kind of is, you know, it's not trivialize, trivial, 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 how do you say it? Trivializing. Trivializing. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not taking light of the situation, but it's realizing that it's quite common yeah. that people have suicidal thoughts. There's a huge gap between having suicidal thoughts and actually taking any action. Yeah. For example, that was one thing that we actually all talked about as a group after Will died was we all said, well, actually, it, it has, has made me think, it has made me think, oh, maybe, maybe this is an option for me. We had a challenge in front of us that, that our friend had, had killed himself. Maybe, maybe the answer is, and obviously at the time we all went, we all quickly went, no, that's not the answer. And, and it's about making people realize that there is, 
like suicide is never the right answer. Like I truly believe that, that it's never the right answer. There's, there's no challenge in life in, that, hum, that humans can't solve. There's, no, there's nothing that you can't get help for. It, it, might, it might be something really, really difficult and really hard to go through. And it might be something that you live with for the rest of your life. But there's always, there's always somewhere to turn to. It's just getting people to understand and realize that. And, and I know that's easier said than done because, you know, when, when you're in a bad place, you're in a bad place. And, you know, obviously people just don't understand that there is that, that option. They think that there is literally only one option um, but to take their own life. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's like, it needs to be like kind of a, a mindset change again, which is easier said than done. And it's never going to be solved, but yeah, that's, and that is like what one of the bigger picture parts of it, I think is that, and it's just trying to reframe how people view mental health in some ways and looking at how there's the people who have that strong attachment, don't they, to their thoughts. And you are saying like, interesting you're talking about sort of talking about suicidal thoughts in a group um and you know obviously there's taboo around that in itself just just talking about these things and that is a i think a huge detriment to people who feel that those thoughts in some way embody them and and because we are very much tied into you know we are inextricably linked to our thoughts but we are very separate from them as well and i think as mesh and i've been saying you know talking about environment in quite a few of our previous shows and just being aware that we are products of our environment into a, to a huge degree that we don't really um, have expressed in everyday life and in society, it's in society in general. It's, it's things that we don't talk about, who knows why, you know, for various reasons, but it's definitely something that um, we should do more of is separating the thoughts from the person and saying you can have these thoughts, expressing them and talking about them it doesn't mean you shouldn't feel guilty about that. You shouldn't tie it to yourself. You should just let it go. And then you can move on and pull those two apart and don't let them get too close. Cause it just builds up in, in your own head. Yeah. yeah. It's as you say as well, Tony, like a lot of people have these thoughts. And I think to say, say if one of us on this call had those thoughts, the stereotype is people with those thoughts don't know how they want to speak about it, but they don't want to bring it up probably to people just because of how they'd act or how they'd listen. And I mentioned it last week, like, did the first mental health first aid training course, got a, got a handy manual here with some real nuggets of information. And if if any of you two like have the opportunity to do it, I couldn't agree more. Like I was so intrigued by yeah, it all. Definitely. How how's it? Mate, great. And like everyone picks up different things, but then like the biggest the biggest things I've picked up was like when someone speaks to you, like don't judge them. Everyone does that. No judgments when you have like a conversation with people who could be suffering mentally. Two, obviously like the empathy sympathy thing be that, not, not necessarily show to cry, but be someone who can actually just be there and actually listen to them. And that was the third point is like the power of listening. I don't think, I think it's a British thing where we don't, we don't listen. And like, you don't have to say, there's a really strong point at the beginning of the course where it's like quite often when people tell you the problems, you will not have the answer. Like 90% of the time, you will not have the answer. Don't get in your, I think we get in our heads that, oh my God, we have to save them there and then. But yeah, all you've got to do is listen. You might not even have to just ask open questions, but you don't necessarily need to give them the answer. They just need to offload it. And there's a big, I'm just going to read out, there's a massive fact here that really like got to me was, so like the mode of, mode of communication, so writing, 12 years of training, like we learn how to write at school. We use that 9% of our life. 
reading similar sort of time like eight to ten eight to ten years of training use it 16 percent of our life speaking one to two years of training use it a third third of our lives listening yes of training here is like naught to like half a year yet we use it 45 percent like listening is such a powerful tool that we use like every day but we always think oh we're gonna have to we need to create a solution to this problem there and then and you actually don't especially to mental health like you're not going to cure them in one day you can just lead them in the right path and just it's just, I keep saying it, but the power of listening is so, so important in life. Yeah, it's such a good, it's such a good point. And it's how even I'm, I can think of it now in a situation like that. I'm sure loads of people, their first go-to is like, oh, how can I fix this for you? You know, you've clearly come to me for a fix and that's not the situation, that's not the case at all. And that, that communication gets lost in those situations. It would get lost virtually every time. And then because the person doesn't, yeah can't find the solution they get kind of frustrated and be like oh why are you feeling that way you know how can we fix it out so yeah explaining that's a real really important yeah i think people with kind of like they they always say like people with kind of creative minds or like problem solving minds can be the the most kind of like volatile or dangerous because you can't yeah it's like you're constantly trying to like solve the problem yeah um one thing i like with listening it's like you've got two Two ears and one mouth. That's what like that's what people tell you, don't they? Two ears and one mouth. So bloody lesson. Uh, that was on that was on an episode of Power Watch last night, actually. That, it that is same true. quote. It's a good quote, but then everyone kind of rolls their eyes, I, don't they, when they hear it? Said that, but they shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> this is legit, legit point. But what you were saying about um, attaching attaching yourself to to your thoughts or not attaching yourself to your thoughts, I think is hugely um, hugely important factor. Like again it's like a, a mindset and, and realizing that is can be kind of you know almost life-changing and again like not kind of trivial i can't say the word trivializing taking light of um sort of thoughts that we might have but like almost not taking them you, you don't have to take them seriously like you, like ha- having that yeah. kind of like you know just like oh there's that again because you know like our, our minds haven't changed in tens of thousands of years like we're, we're, we're just built for like survival. Do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're running off like primal instincts, which don't serve us anymore. You, you know, like we're, we're as humans, you're built to think negatively. You, 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 you're built to remember what the poisonous berries are, not the nice ones, because the poisonous berries are the ones that are going to kill you. So you need to remember which ones those are. You know, you, you, you're scared. You don't want to move caves. You're scared of change because if you move caves, then there might be a bear in that one. But like that's not the case nowadays. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. your, your thoughts like don't always they're not always helpful. You don't have to like always just do what the, the voice in your head tells you. Like you can just be like, like no way, that's that's stupid. Like I know what's right. I know I'm just. I know I'm thinking that. Like you said about your environment. Like I know that the only reason that I'm thinking that is because of my environment. I know that the right thing to do is this yeah and it's great that it's becoming more you know spoken about than it was like you were saying tones back when this happened and and for for mesh and for jenks actually it was all around a similar time which was what you know 10 years ago or how or around that um and jenks was saying it and we've thought it that you know things have changed a lot since then uh, and the discussions have changed from it and yet the that suicide rate still remains you know quite high and and it's in that age bracket as well so there's clearly more to do to and it, it seems to be that volatile age uh, i think 
Um, not that it doesn't happen when you get older and, and challenges change, like you said, things come up that you won't be prepared for, but it's always that first one or that first two or in the early stages where there's the biggest risk, I think. And so that's, you know, it's good that we're talking about it and focusing on that period and seeing what can be done. Yeah, and I think the frustrating thing for me is that it's kind of like these are all these things, you know, like the challenges that we might have faced, you know, whether that be to do with suicide or mental health, like we've had to, we've had to experience it first to then yeah, deal with it. You know, like it shouldn't be reactive, you know, it needs to be proactive. You know, we need to be, that's why, you know, like, it should, I mean, I don't know what, how, what education is like nowadays. I hope it's much better, but you know, it's like, that's what frustrated me. I was just like, why is no one, why is no one prepared me for this? Like in life, you know? Yeah. I felt exactly the same way. And we spoke, we had a chat with a teacher actually, a few episodes back, Sharky, who we had a discussion about where does this happen? This chat or these, you know, these life revelations. Is it with schools? Is it with parents? Is it with, you know, friends or whatever else? And he made you know, a fair point that, you know, schools can only do so much. They've only got, they've got really limited time to teach a whole load of things and not, you know, mental health is there, but it, there's you know, diversity. Our, our, the society we live in today changes so quickly. They've got, they're having a tougher job every year, literally every year to keep up with that. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it has to come up within schools to some degree, but it's, it's tough because, we were also talking to the book of man mark sorry mark and that older bracket who you know the 40s 50s 60 year olds who then it, it becomes more prevalent then as well and it's i found those two brackets interesting that it's kind of our age group who went through and the younger age group who are going through this and that sort of older age group sort of parent child you know, they, they, those would have been the two moving up and maybe there does seem to have just been you know, a communication change, a, a real shift in those those attitudes and the information that we have and the and the education that we have now about mental health, which wasn't there before. And it's negatively affecting both of those camps. And, and hopefully that will just change as more as we talk about it more in situations like this. And then younger generations talk about it more and they, they get further with it. You'd hope that it would start to, to slide off, but it doesn't. It hasn't happened yet, as you say. It's not. It's not clear at all. Yeah, one thing I used to talk about with Papyrus was that, like, you know, people used to say like the c word. They wouldn't talk about cancer, and that that's something that's changed. You know, there used to be a huge stigma around it, and there's not really that anymore. Um, you know, smoking is a quite a good example of where you know, you know, what twenty years ago, however long ago, you would smoke inside, and that was totally normal. Now to think that's just like what, like smoking inside, and you know. It's, so I mean, smoking is not cool anymore and let some less people smoke and like you say yeah possibly the the you know the the numbers maybe start aren't going down yet with with um you know suicides and, and i think it's due to just obviously we've got new challenges which aren't helping you know obviously like the challenges of social media and, and things like that which are you having to sort of like you know firefight with that as well but i mean the, the way I the way I always well, sorry the way I've always seen mental health not at all the way I now see mental health or, or certainly when I was kind of experiencing the, the challenges I was kind of like you know it felt like this it felt like this big secret that everyone was keeping that no one was talking about and I was just like obviously I was like why why has no one said anything but also I think 
it, it's it's still like that for a lot of people. It's it's that secret that, that everyone's kind of keeping, and they might not even realize it themselves. But you know, me- mental health mental health is something that every single human being on earth has to deal with. It's like you know, it's not something that y- yes, there's diagnosable conditions, which is important to label. But I see it as a scale, much much like a physical health scale, where you might have a common cold, you might have cancer, um, you know, there's, you know, the, the mental health is the same in that you might have slight anxiety because you didn't sleep that well, well that night, you had a bad day at work to, um, you, you know, you've, you, you're going through a, quite an important challenge and it's a, a, over a long period, or, or you might have something like chronic depression or, you know, like a, a diagnosable condition. And then you've kind of worked, on the very end, you've got things like suicide as well. So I think it's something that we're all actually managing, whether you realize it or not, we're all managing it. And I think the sooner people actually get on board with that and realize that, that it's something that you need to proactively manage um, and be ready for, because everyone's going to have the like challenges in, in life like that. Like, it literally yeah. is what life is all about. Um, and I think we need to be more, aware and prepared for those challenges coming up yeah because i think it's like like you say times it's like people wait for that thing to happen that trigger point i think people are quite often scared to even acknowledge it until something happens and then they think oh that's quite a statue of a lot of significance there so then that's the problem where i think we need to make it the norm where people could talk about it and just like it's like for example you factor like you haven't had a close person die to you but you've spoken about it to us two jenks i bet you've taken so much to, obviously heaven forbid it never happens but say if it does happen or it happens to someone close to you you've got some sort of thing to relate to and actually talk yeah about. it's it's kind of i was thinking of the phrase it's kind of it sounds a bit crass but it is kind of like make hay while the sun shines in with mental health i yeah. think that is oh, a yeah. thing because you're very rarely in that sweet spot i would say of like you know sometimes you you just don't want to as jenks was saying you just don't want to talk about it all and that's that's completely fine and those moments might come along more often than not in different points of your life Uh, and then other times you're so into you know the good stuff going on in your life you know new job relationships whatever else just going out with your mates that you don't think about mental health and that's good you know that's right you should get away from being in that mindset it's it's very i find anyway very narrow that sweet spot where you're in a spot where it's okay, you know, it's going along all right, but I, I'm, I'm aware now that if this or that maybe doesn't work out too great, I could, you know, st- the circling could start again. And it's just, and that's only with experience. So like Mesh was saying, you know, obviously we could have talked about this a lot more when, earlier, but you pick it up as you go. And I'm kind of in that position now where I, I'm better equipped to spot those. And talking about these kind of things, you know, if something like this does come along, y- you've given off that kind of that beacon already that you are a someone I could go and speak to about this or people from previous shows, you know, people listening could go and speak to us or them about it. And it just spreads like, like crazy, like a positive yeah. spread. And it just, if anyone picked up on the show and, and one of them, those, those issues affects them, they're that step closer to, you know, thinking actually I could go and speak to that person really, really quietly. And we all remember that first chat that we had and how nerve wracking it was and how when you prize open that one, the others become easier and easier to come out as you move forward. So yeah, definitely.
bad terms. I was going to ask about your on your sobriety for a year mm. and how how did that come about and when did you make that decision? Yeah, it, to be honest, it was quite like it wasn't planned. It was quite quite accidental. It, it first started basically when I was out visiting my girlfriend at the time uh, in Australia for a few weeks before I moved to Australia. But we broke up at the end of the holiday. So I was coming back with kind of like, you know, holiday blues, jet lag, and the breakup to deal with. So basically at the time I thought, well, you know, what can, what can I do to, to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place to deal with this? Because I was like, the next few weeks are going to be pretty shit. Well, I basically Googled what to, what to do about jet lag. And the things were cut out caffeine and cut out alcohol. That's pretty much all, you, like, all, all I could do. So I was like, right, I'll try that. So that was kind of when I first sort of thought, thought about anything to do with that. Um, I've never really, I've never felt any reliance on alcohol, like luckily enough. And I think I had a very average intake of alcohol for a 20 something year old. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen your panting skills, Tony. Eh? Terrible. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it like, to be, to be fair, at that stage in my life, it just sort of like, I just kind of got back into it, but it made me, I started to think about it a lot more, just sort of like why I was doing it or, 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 or am I, so I, I think what I, certainly what I've realized now is that there's a lot of points where I was drinking because it was socially acceptable thing to do, but there was times when, when I actually didn't feel like drinking. So I could, I think I just got good at knowing well, yeah, like my mental mental health for whatever reason isn't as good today. So I don't really want to drink because potentially it just could make it worse. I haven't really had like specific times where I've say had a drink and felt terrible and God, well, that must have been because of because of the drink. But I just sort of thought like, well, you know, it, the more and more it went on, it was just like, I'm just going to drink when I want to drink. So before my year sober, the last time I, I had a drink was was... I was traveling the west coast of of Oz and uh you know we were having like parties and stuff and I was just like I'm you know I I, I was having fun drinking you know then after that there just hasn't been a point where I've gone yeah I want to I want to drink I, I mean there, there was Christmas so I had like a, a little sip of red wine and I was just like nah don't fancy it at that point it got to my birthday and someone said like are you gonna drink and I was just like Oh my god! I've not even thought about that, and I just and I didn't. And that was probably like the first time where I like it was like a party situation, and um, and I didn't drink and 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 I had just as good a time. I was the only person not drinking at my own birthday party, apart from one of my friends was pregnant, and it didn't fucking make a difference. The fact that I had a kombucha in my bottle and so and so had a beer in, in theirs, it didn't make any difference. Did you did you get drunk? Did you get drunk as well? I was wondered about that. Whether you're around other drunk people, do you notice them and think, "Oh, that's just not good," or do you get into the thing? As well? I think there's probably a mix. Like, yeah, there might be the odd time where you just like you can you go like fucking hell. Like, I can I can see that everyone's acting like really rowdy. Like, depends on the crowd, right? But like, the majority of the time, you feel yeah, you feel drunk yourself because you're around people that are drunk and having a good time. I've I feel like now, especially. Now I've done the year sober. I feel like I could go into a bar, a club, you know, fingers crossed one day, dance or whatever, and just do stuff that I could do 
that I would have done drunk, but now I can do them sober. And to be honest, like my, my mindset now is if there's like a, a wedding or a stag do or like a big event, I'll probably drink and, and, and get drunk. And ironically, I think I now only drink to get drunk, which is like, people think that's an unhealthy thing, but I think like, for me, that's just kind of like a healthier thing to do. I, I think I don't really, I don't think, I don't see myself casually drinking anymore. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing for this pandemic. Like for me personally, I've not missed a boozy. I've missed a socializing. Exactly. Got great mates, like got great mates at the work. Like, and we always go to pub with lunchtime and stuff. Like I'm happy now, like the, the times I went in pre-lockdown, like happy just have like a Diet Coke stuff. It's just missing socializing, being around everyone. That's the big thing. Like it's not, I do like a Guinness from time to time, but it's not I mean that you'll be partial to the chat and socialize rather than the booze. But rewind to when you came back, Tenzi. So obviously you came back, you broke up jet lag and everything. As a bloke, say if you go through a bad breakup, the first thing you do is your mate's been like, right, let's go for a drink. But then you go for a drink to talk about it. Were you able to talk to anyone? Were you able to get over it by talking to anyone without booze? Um, I don't... Th- that's a good question. I don't really remember it being an issue that, that I couldn't socialise because whenever I've not drunk, I've never, it's never stopped me from socialising. Yeah. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You'll get the odd person just being like, oh, like, why are you not drinking? You know, whatever. You, 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 need, you need to learn to deal with that if you're going to do it. Um, but I never, I never stopped myself from, from socialising because I wasn't drinking. Um, but but at the time I wasn't it wasn't a it didn't feel like a conscious effort to not drink back then necessarily. But did I did I talk to people about it? Yes. That specific point was probably the hardest point of my entire life, just because of the anxiety of the situation I was in. It's women. That's women. Well, bloody women. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm a feminist. I'm a feminist. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, I think I wouldn't say I was mature enough to deal with it, but. Yeah, I, I reconnected with a lot of my family, um, brothers and sisters who, you know, like I maybe wouldn't speak to for a few weeks, a few months, whatever it might be. Suddenly they were very much just like aware that I, I was going through a shit time. Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, I realized that I could pick up the phone. I think before that point I would go, oh, I don't want to bother. You know, that thing of like, I don't want to burden yeah. the other person with this problem. You know, that, which is just stupid. Um, and I quickly realized that, like, there's no shame in, like, you know, I would be calling my mum and dad near enough every day. Like, a few years before that, I would think of that as, like, a, oh, you know, like, I would, ju- I would judge someone yeah. for, like, calling them, calling their mum all the time. Yeah. You know, are you not ind- independent? Like, that's bullshit. Like, you, you need to use the support yeah. systems that are there. You know, like I talked, obviously, like said before about it was like running a marathon on my own. It did feel like that. But and the more people talk about these things, the more normal it feels. And, the, you know, like if 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 we talk about, you know, a breakup on a podcast, then, you know, someone can come to, to us about their breakup because they know that we've been through it or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a great idea. That's a brilliant idea. To start that i think like it's a similar vein as this isn't it it's just so how many people go through that kind of thing and it is about legitimizing the discussions around it like everything else we've done on this show and what you're doing on the flip
So, triple threat round, flip a coin. Loser's got to do a song, a story, or a joke. Turnsy obviously has the other guests you can call in the air. And if you get it, you don't have to do it's it. Between, that's right. Every 13, no, that 13 right? episodes, you don't know the rules, actually. This is between you two, by the way. Heads. It is heads. It's James Factor. It, it's on you. Got, um, I'll, I'll try a story because I've sung quite a bit. It's like when I was in York at university. So going to a hairdresser to have my hair cut. Uh, it all goes fine. You know, don't really care. Not really li- looking at all. And the bloke, he hasn't said a word to me, which I'm fine with, yeah, because it's a guy, guy's haircut. Um, and he just finishes off and he does the thing with the mirror. He goes back and back. And I'm just like, yeah, fine. And then he's, he's about to finish. And then he, he kind of just looks at me, doesn't say anything. And he, he pulls his head right round to look at me again. I was like, what have I done wrong? So he recognised me from something. And then he goes away, comes back, gets a little comb and scissors and starts trimming my eyebrows without asking me. And I'm just looking at this comb. <laughs> and and he's, I've never had that. Have you had that happen ever? No. At all to you? I've had it twice they've asked and I've said, no, thank you. I don't want you to cut my eyebrows. But first time I've come across never. it. Never. It's like you like missed the sport and have to go back. <laughs> yeah, I just thought. I've never noticed my eyebrows were so bushy, apparently, but clearly they are. Thanks for listening. Please like and share us on Twitter and Instagram at allchatspods.